0: Welcome to NTD News Today, I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Former President Trump says the FBI took some attorney-client documents they shouldn't have and he wants them back. This while the White House says the raid wasn't political. The FBI raid on former President Trump's residence may impact the midterms and the 2024 presidential election. Several analysts and a new poll give us some insights. Wisconsin is closing an office created to investigate the 2020 presidential election. The state assembly speaker says the office has done its job, but the lead investigator says the assemblyman got in the way. Burned vehicles and blocked roads in Tijuana over the weekend, a Mexican cartel said they would create mayhem to pressure the government to release captured cartel members. Former President Trump says privileged material was taken during the FBI raid on his Mar-a-Lago property last week. Now he's demanding it back. All this while the White House says the raid was not political. Entities Jessica Beatty has more.
1: Trump wrote on True Social Sunday, the FBI took boxes of privileged attorney-client material and also executive privileged material. He's referring to a Fox News article citing anonymous sources. Attorney-client privilege allows communications between a client and their attorney to be confidential. Trump asked for the documents to be returned immediately. The FBI said it took classified records from Trump's Florida home during an unprecedented raid last week. It's unclear exactly what was in the documents. According to the property receipt, which was unsealed Friday, federal agents took sets of alleged top secret and confidential documents but Trump says the records have been declassified. The judge also unsealed the warrant for the raid. It shows Trump is under federal investigation for obstruction of justice and other alleged violations, including concealment, removal or mutilation of documents, gathering, transmitting or losing defense information, and destruction, alteration or falsification of records. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre told ABC News that the raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago property was not political. Department of Justice, when it comes to law enforcement, is independent. This is what we believe and this is what the president has said. But Trump supporters are concerned there's a two-tiered system of justice, with one set of rules for Democrats and another set of rules for Trump. Former federal prosecutor and Trump official Cash Patel gave a couple examples on his epic TV show Cash's Corner Friday. Normally, the DOJ refrains from going after a politician around an election cycle. But the Trump raid happened within 90 days of the midterms. He also said the DOJ would normally just call and issue a subpoena for the documents they wanted instead of issuing a search warrant. Jessica Beatty, NTD News.
0: Reactions continue to pour in. A week after the FBI raided former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence, a new poll shows how voters feel about the raid going into the midterms. Here are the details.
2: Political analysts predict that the FBI's raid on Trump's estate could force Republicans to again unite around Trump and give him a boost in the 2024 presidential election if he were to run. A former Trump White House official, Michael McKinnon, told The Washington Times, it's going to create a situation where the Republican Party is going to have to coalesce around him because here are your choices. You can be with Trump or you can be with the FBI. No self-respecting Republican can be with the FBI. Researcher Marshall Arbeck wrote on Unheard that if the FBI can't justify the raid, it would certainly enhance Trump's presidential chances in 2024 and turn him into a martyr. And Matt Vespa, an editor for Town Hall, argued, The FBI, not the media, may have given the most significant in-kind political contribution to a candidate in American political history. And the raid's impact may be felt sooner than the 2024 presidential election. The Convention of States Action at the Trafalgar Group recently released a poll on Americans' reactions to the raid. Around 70 percent of them said the FBI raid against Trump increases their motivation to vote during the November midterms. Some 83 percent of Republicans say they are more motivated to vote, while 55 percent of Democrats and 72 percent of Independents say the same. In that same poll, 48% of respondents said that Trump's political enemies were behind the FBI raid. About 39% said the impartial justice system was behind it. Mark Meckler, president of Convention of States Action, commented on the results. He said independent and Republican voters are united in their outrage and think that the FBI raid is designed to punish the primary political enemy of the regime in power.
0: Wisconsin is set to close an office created to investigate the 2020 presidential election. Many were unhappy with the office, and now those involved are blaming each other.
3: Republican Robin Voss is the Wisconsin Assembly Speaker. Last week, he fired Michael Gableman, who was hired over a year ago to investigate the 2020 presidential election amid allegations of fraud. Gableman is a former Wisconsin Supreme Court Justice. Voss is now seeking to close down the Office of Special Counsel, which was created last year to investigate the election. The speaker says Gableman's reports clearly showed concern and problems with the 2020 election. That's why the legislature passed 19 bills and three constitutional amendments focusing on the issues. Last week, Voss narrowly survived the primary election challenge. His opponent was endorsed by Gableman. Gableman campaigned for Robin Voss's opponent, saying, Everything that my office and I have been able to do to expose all the corruption that took place has been in spite of Robin and not because of him. Voss put Gableman's investigation on hold in May already. That was because of at least five ongoing lawsuits related to the investigation. Three of those lawsuits were related to Gableman's capacity as an investigator. Democrats and local media outlets in Wisconsin have often criticized Gableman's review of the election, claiming it to be partisan. In a report released in March, Gableman said there were numerous votes cast by mentally incompetent nursing home residents, non-citizens, and ineligible felons during the 2020 election in Wisconsin.
0: Capitol Police are investigating an apparent suicide. A 29-year-old man from Delaware crashed his car into a barricade and fired gunshots in the air before fatally shooting himself. The man crashed his car between East Capitol Street and 2nd Street early Sunday morning in D.C., According to a Capitol Police statement, the man was getting out of the car when it became engulfed in flames. He then fired several gunshots into the air, and as police responded and approached, the man shot himself. No one else was injured. Police said the man was identified as 29-year-old Richard A. York the third, from Delaware. They do not yet have a motive for his actions. It's now being investigated by the Metropolitan Police Department in Washington, D.C. Burning cars and blocked roads in the Mexican city of Tijuana over the weekend, a Mexican cartel said they'll create mayhem if the government doesn't release captured cartel members. The Jalisco New Generation Cartel last week announced they would attack anyone they see on the streets of Tijuana from 10 p.m. on Friday to 3 a.m. on Sunday. The cartel is trying to coerce the government into releasing captured cartel members. Tijuana is located right at the U.S.-Mexico border, close to San Diego. The U.S. Department of State issued warnings to Americans in the area and issued a shelter-in-place order for government employees. About 3,000 Mexican federal troops assisted police in Tijuana. It's not clear if the government freed the cartel members. Tijuana is now back to normal after the weekend of violence. A group of five U.S. lawmakers arrived in Taiwan on Sunday, about two weeks after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited the self-governing island. The delegation was led by Senator Ed Markey. It also included Congressman John Garamendi, Alan Lowenthal, Don Beyer, and Delegate Amada Radawagan from American Samoa. Taiwan thanked the lawmakers for their timely visit and unwavering support. The group went on to meet with President Tsai Ing-wen. She expressed that Taiwan is committed to maintaining the status quo and mentioned that the threat of authoritarian states is highlighted by Russia's war in Ukraine. She also brought up Beijing's military drills around Taiwan and said they are disrupting peace in the region. The Chinese Communist Party has previously issued threats about visits like these in the past, but it hasn't said anything yet about Marquis Group. The communist regime in Beijing has claimed Taiwan as its territory despite never having governed the region. The Chinese military said it carried out more exercises near Taiwan on Monday. The German Defense Ministry is planning a joint air exercise this week in the Indo-Pacific region. It's called Rapid Pacific 2022. The operation will involve Germany, Singapore, Australia, Japan, and South Korea. It's the first time since World War II that German warplanes are heading to the Indo-Pacific. The German Air Force will send three multi-role tanker transports, four Airbus tactical transporters, and about 250 Air Force personnel. The country's air force has two exercises in Australia planned first. It'll then travel to three other countries and is scheduled to arrive in Japan at the end of September. The exercise comes amid a growing military threat from Beijing and might be a German attempt to distance itself from China. And coming up, Ukraine says demining the country after the war could take years. In one region taken back from Russia, it's already taken months to clear up the mines with much more to go. An Argentine police busted a gang engaged in international human trafficking. The group has operated in both Argentina and the United States. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD News. Welcome back. With Russia's invasion of Ukraine entering its sixth month some fear the long-term result could be an environmental disaster.
4: These divers are demining experts, searching a river in Ukraine. Ukrainian forces took back the Sumy region from Russian forces in April. But four months on, cannon shells are still being fished out in its waters. Ukraine's Environment Ministry estimates it'll take at least a decade to clear all the mines and explosives from the country. And there are fears long-term war could mean an environmental disaster, leaving Ukraine's waters contaminated for years to come. Denis Monestirsky is Ukraine's Interior Minister.
3: It is known that water demining will go on for years. It is the area where we have a lot of work to do. We estimate the work that has to be done to demine Ukraine's waters will take at least five to seven years. Why? Because it's the most difficult type of demining.
4: Ukraine's emergency service in June said more than 239 square miles of land littered with thousands of explosives had been cleared, but nearly 160,000 square miles are still seen as contaminated. Sofia Suragurska at the Center for Environmental Initiatives warns that the efforts to remove the unexploded devices may not be enough to protect the ecosystem and human health.
1: These territories are affected not just by mining itself, but also by um, heavy pollution from explosions and from rockets and from the moving of the, for example, uh, military troops. So. To- just remove mines on these territories will not be enough to restore all this unique ecosystem
4: an estimated 27 percent of ukraine's land needs demining last week the u.s government approved 89 million dollars in funding to help in the efforts
0: federal police in argentina have uncovered a gang operating in international human trafficking that's according to an official statement recently really released the criminal gang was caught in buenos aires Argentine police said the group operated in both Argentina and the United States. They claimed to help AIDS patients and drug addicts as a method of recruitment. The recruits were later used as indentured servants. The group even charged fees for courses, training, reading sessions, and conferences for government agencies or entrepreneurs. Police have also seized more than $1 million of van, pornographic videos, real estate deeds, and more. After 50 court-ordered raids, 19 people in the group have been arrested so far. A man trapped in a tunnel in central Rome was rescued by local police. He was allegedly digging the tunnel for a bank robbery. Italian media reported that the man was one of a four-member gang. The group was trying to escape from a tunnel near the Vatican before it collapsed. Police believe they dug the tunnel to reach the vault of a nearby bank. Starting from underneath a closed door, they dug forward a little each day. Their plan was to rob the bank when it was closed on a public holiday. Firefighters took eight hours to get the trapped man out. He was fed and given an oxygen tank to aid his breathing. All four members of the group have now been arrested. And Machu Picchu is one of the most popular tourist attractions in Peru, but now the ancient Incan Citadel is overcrowded with tourists lining up in front of it. Peruvian authorities last week called for a halt to the sales of tickets for Machu Picchu. The decision has kept out huge crowds of foreign and local tourists, There was similar chaos at the end of July due to overbooking. Tourism around the world has rebounded in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Authorities are trying to balance activating the economy with preserving historic sites. Locals around Machu Picchu staged strikes and protests with road blockades. They demanded that 50% of the tickets be sold to keep the local economy running. Some of them said they would go on strike until the government met their demands. Two tennis champions gave their best wishes to Serena Williams as she approaches the end of her tennis career. Williams says that she'll play in at least two more tournaments.
3: It's sad that uh, she's leaving the tour, uh, but in the other hand, uh, we can't thank her enough. All the all the things that she did for 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 our sport. No, I think she's uh, an amazing inspiration for a lot of people around the world. Uh, and I think she deserves to choose whatever works for for her better uh, at this stage of, of her life now. So um, wish her all the very best. Uh, hopefully we can keep uh, seeing her around the tour.
1: I think it's it's an amazing opportunity. It's an amazing, I've, it's an amazing gift to sort of play the best tennis player. Um, of all time on, on her way out. It's probably gonna be my last opportunity to play her unless I draw her in New York.
0: But um, I think, yeah, I mean, whatever happens, it's just gonna be a, a great memory that I'll always have. 40-year-old Serena Williams will compete against 19-year-old British player Emma Raducanu in the opening round of the Western and Southern Open in Cincinnati. The Brit has already won one title in a Grand Slam competition when she won the U.S. Open last year. Williams became the number one women's tennis player the same year her younger competitor was born. Williams has 23 Grand Slam titles. And on the men's side, Rafael Nadal plans to play at the Western and Southern Open, but he says an abdominal tear could slow him down. He hopes Serena Williams can stay around the tennis tour once she retires. He says the sport benefits when the legends stick around. A town in central Bosnia welcomed its annual diving competition over the weekend. It was staged at a spectacular waterfall. The jumping platform rose over 60 feet into the air above the waterfall. Divers are required to take a plunge into the deep pool below. Though it was raining on the day of the contest, the audience was full of excitement. So were the divers. Some competitors say the venue galvanizes them to try their best. According to Bosnian Media, this was the seventh waterfall diving race held in the town. Competitors included divers from countries like Bosnia, Serbia, and Montenegro. The winner this year was a young man from Sarajevo. He said he joins the contest every year and always brings home a medal. Second place went to last year's championship winner from Montenegro. Pet owners in the UK are giving up their animals to save money. They're making the tough choice amid the tightest squeeze on living standards since the 1960s.
5: Meet Harriet, the English cocker spaniel. She was found running along a busy road in London after witnesses say she was pushed out of a car abandoned. And she's a possible victim of the worsening cost of living crisis that a leading animal charity says has led to a growing number of people to part with their pets. Harriet's now one of hundreds of dogs and cats currently being looked after by England's famous Battersea charity. And similar centres around the country say they're seeing record inquiries for dog and cat returns. The tightest squeeze on living standards since at least the 1960s is forcing many owners to decide the additional cost of food and vet bills isn't manageable. Steve Craddock is the centre manager. We are seeing an increase of the animals that people want to gift into Battersea of up to 30% from last year. Whilst we don't have any specific data, we are seeing that some of these animals are because people are no longer able to look after them. They're no longer able to afford their care, particularly things like veterinary care. One particular case is magpie. There's a cat that's come into Battersea Dogs and Cats Home just this week. Uh, Magpie has been brought in by its owner because Uh, has become pregnant and the owner is no longer able to afford to care for Magpie or her kittens once they're born. The trend follows a surge in demand for pets during the COVID-19 pandemic lockdown. It also comes amid warnings of recession and as UK households are dealing with a massive crisis in their energy bills. They're set to triple in January and some charities have warned it could put millions of people into poverty. Dogs Trust currently has 692 dogs needing homes in centers across the country. It said the last time it had seen anything like this was in the wake of the 2008 financial crash. For now, it means plenty of fluffy faces are just hoping someone can give them a permanent home.
0: We now know what to call the latest addition to the Cincinnati Zoo's hippo exhibit. The baby calf born on August 3rd is named Fritz. Zoo officials opened the vote to the public, who chose between Fritz and Ferguson. More than 223,000 votes came in from the U.S. and dozens of countries, and Fritz came out on top. The zoo's head hippo keeper says Fritz is appropriate, since his mother's birth control ended up being on the Fritz. Fritz's older sister, Fiona, became a viral celebrity in 2017 when she was born premature and severely underweight. A red panda is safe back at home in an Australian zoo. He boldly escaped from his enclosure and invaded recapture for two days. Ravi the red panda made his breakout from the Adelaide Zoo on Friday. He was found on Sunday in a tree at the nearby Botanic Park. Zoo workers couldn't lure the animal out of the tree with delicious bamboo snacks, so they were forced to shoot the animal with a tranquilizer dart. Once the drug took effect, they safely caught the banda in a sheet as he tumbled out of the tree. The Adelaide Zoo director said Ravi would spend the next few days recovering and getting a health checkup. The zoo also plans to review how he made his great escape so that staff can better secure his enclosure. The premier of Ontario, Canada swallows a bee while giving a speech. He laughed it off while acknowledging the live bee's presence and its efforts to escape.
4: But not coming from the not coming from the uh, government per se but the premier it's coming from the health sector <laughs> holy Christ I just swallowed a bee oh my Holy God. Christ I knew that little bugger oh. Drown up. Drown up. Okay. I'm good he's down here buzzing around right now he has a lot of he has a lot of real estate now if that was in the clip okay this is gonna be replayed over and over again Ford was
0: discussing Ontario's health care system and taking questions from reporters while trying to swat away a bee. As he opened his mouth to speak, the bee flew inside and got stuck. Ford said he couldn't remember what he was talking about, but needed to go to the hospital to get the bee out. He later jokingly said that the bee is building a hive inside of him. It's not clear what ultimately happened with the bee situation after the news conference ended. There was also no mention of stings. And it's not clear if the premier was in danger since he was still able to speak after the bee flew in his mouth. And thank you so much for joining us. We're going to put our email address on screen. We'd love to hear from you. For podcasters, that's news.today at NTD.com. Until next time, Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.